Hi, everybody. Welcome to my podcast. Today, we have James Newman, who is a frontline ambulance worker. Welcome to my podcast, James. Hi, good evening. Hi, how are you? Uh, Very well, thanks. Very well. Yourself? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. Thank you for taking the time to speak my podcast today. No, no worries. I'm quite fascinated, to be honest. I've never done anything like this before. So begin by telling me a little bit about you. Um, so I'm James. And I live in the East London area and I am a frontline ambulance um, emergency medical technician for a frontline ambulance company. Okay. My usual day-to-day job involves responding to 999 calls dealing with the sick and the stupid. <laughs> <laughs> is that like a regular thing then? It is and it isn't, to be honest. Um, so you'll find, especially with my type of job, you are more a social worker than you will ever be a medic. Okay. Unfortunately, mental health is creeping up massively and um, mm-hmm. A&E is not the right place for them anymore, you know. Mm-hmm. So we've had to drastically change our uh, circumstances and situations. Okay. Okay, so how long have you actually been doing that for then? Um, So I have been in the ambulance service now for a total of five years. Uh, Previous to that, I worked uh, for a few private ambulance companies as well. Mm -hmm. And what was that like? Uh, The privates, um, you're very, very expendable. They don't really want to put their time and money into you. You're just a number. Mm-hmm. As it sounds, but some of them are good and some of them are horrendous, so you need to choose okay. wisely. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right, okay, thank you. Um, so as you obviously spoke to us about being an ambulance um, driver, mm-hmm. um, could you tell me just a little bit more about your work life? So, like on a general day, what would it be like? So on a general day, you'll do a 12-hour shift, whether that's from 6.30 in the morning to 6.30 in the evening or 11 o'clock in the morning to 11 o'clock at night or vice, you know, it, it varies as well as night work. But um, mm-hmm. you generally, you rock up to the station, um, you log on, you find out what call sign you are, you find out what vehicle you're driving for the day and what specialist role you may be doing. Um, and then you go out to do your vehicle checks, make sure everything's mm-hmm. serviceable and working. Okay. If you're happy that the truck's working, you then go and sign out your drugs and fluids and cannulation and stuff that you'd need to treat um, big time sick patients. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, generally, that takes about 10 to 15 minutes, your VDI, and then you go green, which is um, letting the radio operator or a dispatcher know that you are available for jobs. Okay. Wow. Yeah, no, pretty much, yeah. So generally, the the company I work for um, gets between five and a half thousand to six thousand calls a day, generally. Wow. With COVID, that has jumped up to about seven thousand to eight thousand a day. So quite a high number, wow. to be honest. Okay. And um, we've, had, we've been forced to get other agencies involved in that. Mm-hmm. just because of the demand is massive mm-hmm. but um, wow. yeah it certainly is challenging <laughs> so you yourself how many calls do you like attend to a day then so generally on a normal day you would do between six and seven jobs 
Wow, okay. Yeah, but bearing in mind, some jobs are quite quick that they're safe mm-hmm. enough for you to leave at home or refer down or alternative care pathways. Okay. Um, some refuse to travel, which is at their own discretion, mm-hmm. whether advised, ill-advised or not. Um, mm-hmm. And some don't have a choice. They have to come to hospital. They're, they're mm-hmm. significantly ill, you know. Okay. Um, but it's, it, it varies. But at the moment, with COVID going on, the mm-hmm. usual amount of ambulances that are on the road a day are between about 360 to 400 vehicles a day. Wow. Um, at the yeah. moment, because of everything going on, mm-hmm. that number's near enough doubled now. Oh, wow. So okay. now the, the, the jobs have dropped significantly, so you're nowhere near as busy as you used to be. Right, yeah, because obviously Which there's more ambulances on the road. Yeah, there's more ambulances mm-hmm. on the road, yeah. But um, the problem is with that is... Not so much skill fade because you're still going out, but it's a long old day, 12 hours. And well, when you're it busy, is, yeah. It, it does fly past, you know? Oh. But, uh, when you're sitting around, it's, it's quite boring. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow, okay. Um, so, what actually inspired you then to become, like, to work in that field that you are now? Um, to be honest, I, I grew up in quite a poor area, you know, and mm-hmm. there wasn't a lot of opportunities about... I, I was told that I would end up working in a chicken shop. So um, I ended up joining the military. Mm-hmm. I then left the military I um, and then joined the private ambulance services. And I started off at the bottom doing patient transport and just... That generally means taking people to and from their appointments or mm-hmm. taking them home from hospital or bringing them in. Okay. Um, then to ambulance care person it just goes up to be honest and now Mm -hmm. at the moment i am an emergency medical technician wow okay wow that's that's really good there's there's other alternative routes like you can go to university and do a paramedic science degree Mm -hmm. but um i I physically can't afford to do that you know i've got a house i've got i've got family i've got Mm -hmm. bills that have got to be paid and to put yourself 30 grand in debt for a qualification you may may not get Mm. it doesn't seem worth it is it pardon i was saying it doesn't seem worth it does it you know it's already fantastic it is it's a really really it's it's a qualification that you can take anywhere in the world Mm -hmm. you know my qualification at the moment is only a national qualification oh right i see yeah but um, it is a really good, worthwhile thing. If you've got a kind heart and a sensible brain, Aww. and you don't want to do something, the same thing for the rest of your life, mm-hmm. it is a really good career because every day is different and you are constantly learning, adapting, mm-hmm. doing dynamic risk assessments. And I, I've been really quite lucky, to be honest, because I've found an extremely good, good company and they want to invest in me and put me on courses which cost a lot of money <laughs> you know and I, I hope I live up to the you know hype and I hope put me through but Aww. if you get behind a good company it is a fantastic worthwhile job all day yeah. long and obviously there's there's absolutely shockingly horrendous days where you can't believe like what one human being can do to another mm, and then there's, there's days that are absolutely amazing you just watch this little baby enter the world you know and <laughs> it, it, you constantly have to adapt and you're constantly thinking on your feet and everywhere's different it's mm-hmm. brilliant i absolutely love it brilliant you sound really passionate about like what you do yeah, no, I am, I am, you know. The, the problem is it's very difficult to sit there and switch off afterwards, yeah. which is why it's fantastic to sit there and talk to someone because if you sit there and bottle it up, whether it's good or bad, mm. 
you, it will rock your head a little bit to be honest so sitting there having the ability to talk to people mm-hmm. is fantastic even strangers to be honest talking to a stranger <laughs> is the best way forward to be honest oh. I know it sounds quite mad in that aspect but you're never going to see them again you know, True. so you're more inclined to be that little bit more truthful, aren't you? Well, no, mm-hmm. actually, this was just how bad my day was. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know? yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow, okay. Okay, so how has life been during the um, pandemic? So, like, your your normal life and your work life, how has that been for you? Um, to be honest, when it first started, it was um, a massive, massive culture shock because... Mm-hmm we as a service was a little bit caught off foot you know we was a little bit off guard and we didn't react as quickly as we should have or we Mm -hmm. wasn't given enough warning to react effectively should i say but um we have bounced back massively you know but it's it's mad in a space of three years working for a mainstream ambulance company Mm -hmm. i've been to more cardiac arrest that free that first three month period than i have in three years Wow, okay. So it, it was, it was that really, must be pretty really scary. It, it was really scary because, mm. you know, you, there's a high potential that these people are exerting atmospheric air onto you that's contaminated, you know, mm. infection control is a real, real risk. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then yeah. you're going home to your families. Course, you know, so yeah. that, that, that was a real, real concern. But like I say, the company I work for, they were absolutely brilliant. They put us up in a hotel, you know, they, wow. they made, yeah, all expenses paid for. They made yeah, sure that we yeah. stayed in contact with our family. There were people there supporting us day and night. But there, there was a real significant risk of taking this back to your family. Mm, you know, and it's so far, like I know at least four paramedics that have sadly died doing what they've done for 28 years 30 years you know Mm -hmm. because yeah yeah, it's it's just mental but it's this is just one of them things unfortunately it's a worldwide epidemic Mm -hmm. you know it's it's gonna get worse before it gets better unfortunately they're expecting it to get a lot worse yes they are yeah at some point in the near future i I Mm -hmm. don't know the dates i don't know exact details i'm not very important unfortunately but um (laughs) Yes, but it is mad. Luckily enough, we have got the right equipment now. They've spared no expense making sure that our safety is priority, you know. So I've I've been quite lucky, but it is mad. It really, really is. It sounds it. It really does sound it. I mean, just listening to it from like, from just even my perspective, you know, it's like, it's mind blowing, like the things that you guys have to go through, you know. Because obviously it, working in childcare is not as dangerous, you know. Whereas you, like working, you're working with different people throughout the day. You know, you're facing all these risks. You know, it must be like before you go out, it must be scary. You know, you must have that in the back of your mind, like you know, wow, what's going to happen today? It, yeah, yes and no to a certain extent. Like we we have a control system and it tells us everything that's happening as we're on the way okay. to the job, so we get live updates and feeds. But um generally whenever you go and see someone whether they've got quite a severe infection or mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with them it's a mental health issue you know mm-hmm. or someone who just wants a little chin wag you know because it does happen <laughs> quite a lot yeah but you always have a basic level of ppe on which is just a pair of gloves generally okay. yeah you know um with the pandemic and everything's gone on we've had to change our tactics slightly so now we have to wear two pairs of gloves we wear an apron okay and um, we wear a facial mask we've got a couple of different masks that we wear for different situations okay but um 
it has it has been a bit of a massive shock and you're leaving people at home who should be going to hospital but with everything that's going on mm-hmm. they don't want to go to hospital and to be honest hospital probably isn't the best environment for them mm-hmm. at the moment yeah. you know so it's, it's been mad in that extent and then um, the community treatment teams that have had to step up their game massively particularly mm-hmm. in the east london boroughs has just been amazing because you've got district nurses gps and it's mm-hmm. no matter what if we generally if we leave someone at home we always refer them onwards or we always make sure that there's help available should whether they ever need it whether it's calling us mm-hmm. or calling your doctor or nurse but stuff that usually that you would convey like an elderly gentleman for instance that's fallen mm-hmm. over obviously you can't rule out a fracture particularly at their age okay. there's very very subtle indications that you can tell straight away that they're in significant there's a significant injury you know right okay. generally rule of thumb is you take everyone in and you get them checked unless mm-hmm. they're absolutely safe to stay at home and there's no need for them to go but um, just leaving people at home and then referring them on to the GP and moving on. You know, mm-hmm. when it first started kicking off, it, it was mad. Um, yeah. The grade that I was at when I started, when the pandemic started, was um, I wasn't allowed to go to certain jobs because I wasn't qualified. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's been a case of, well, if you're the closest unit, you've got to go now, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. We send wow. you welds, we will send everything to you. But if you're closer, you've got to go, mate. It's all hands on chest at the moment. Okay, wow. So okay. massive, massive culture shock. Luckily enough, I am, I'm on a training course now. So I've managed to pull away and come off the road. And I'm trying to broaden my horizons and gain a few more notches on the belt. Wow, okay. So it's, it's been pretty good, to be honest. Good, good. I bet you're looking forward to when you finish and you qualify and, you know, just the new doors that will open now. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Absolutely. There is oh. lots of opportunities available. So, I don't know, the world is your oyster, so you just got to figure <laughs> it out, haven't you? Of course, of course, yeah. Right, so, can you tell me, obviously, I know you spoke just briefly about... Um, being in the army um what age were you when you actually enlisted um so i joined at 15 and nine months wow so you were pretty young then yeah straight from school to be honest wow do you think that kind of changed your outlook in life in any way um it did massively to be honest absolutely massively and um don't get me wrong you, you with the military, it's a fantastic organisation. They mm-hmm. take an individual and they build them up. They invest in them. And, right. you know, some places you go to are quite horrendous and other mm-hmm. places you go to are brilliant. You know, I've been to some amazing places. Wow. I've met some amazing people. I've had some amazing opportunities, you know. Okay. And the real reason I'm in the ambulance service now is because of the stuff that I saw combat medics doing in the mm-hmm. military, which is just absolutely amazing, you know. Okay, so would you say that inspired you then? It did, yeah. yeah. Believe it or not, a lot of medical advancements, particularly in the last 20 years, mm-hmm. have come from the wars that we've been fighting, particularly in Iraq and Afghanistan, okay. dealing with major trauma injuries. Right, like okay. Gunshot wounds, um, bomb blasts, improvised explosive devices, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So it's, it's been... it. I saw it all and it was like, oh, I wouldn't mind doing that. But... Um, <laughs> By the time I was interested in it, I was signing off. Oh, right, okay. So, um, but yeah, no, it was good. I joined at 15 and nine months. Oh. I um, 
I was lucky enough not to go anywhere too horrible, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I, I ended okay. up being a trainer teaching phase one recruits how to fight in urban, rural and subterranean environments. Okay. Um, yeah, so that was quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I did, That's did, different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's sort of your bread and butter as a soldier. Um, okay. there's, there's two different sides to the military. You, you, you have the infantry. Mm-hmm. And they are effectively the warriors that go and sort the stuff out. They go over there and tell the enemy to sort themselves out, mm-hmm. you know. And um, then you've got support regiments, mm-hmm. which um, they specialise in certain trades. Like one regiment is specialised in driving. The other re- regiment is specialised in building or demolition. Okay. Another regiment specialises in communications and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So everybody's got purpose and job. Okay, well, wow. No matter what, you've got to be a soldier first. You've got to learn how to eat, sleep and poop the army way, you know. <laughs> and, um, and then you move on to your specialist training. So mm-hmm. um, I am, um, I was in an infantry regiment and I moved over to a specialist training and um, did a few driving things, to be honest. Learned how to drive a few lorries. Mm-hmm. So it was all right. Wow. So what was your favourite part then, would you say? Like your most standout like moment? Do you think? Um, just the camaraderie. Mm-hmm. It's there's there's this massive phobia in the military that um, gay people or people of different creeds, religions or colours that are not welcome or it, you're made to feel excluded and it's mm-hmm. it's it's such a massive misunderstanding and mm-hmm. what people don't really understand the first four weeks when you join. Mm-hmm. They are horrible to you. They they break you down to the point where you are nothing and that you're just a number. And then wow. they build you up. But okay. they build you up together as a team. Wow, okay. No matter what, whether the man next to you is a Muslim, whether he's Asian, black, he's, he, it doesn't matter. Wow. You know, that bloke's in green. He's your brother. Mm-hmm. He's got your back just like you've got his back. Wow. So it was always, it was always nice, no matter what, that mm-hmm. if anything ever went wrong, you know, you've got someone there that will help you just like you would help them. And mm-hmm. it's, it's an amazing, liberating feeling to a certain extent. Yeah. You know, wow. so it's, it's quite good. And um, the banter as well. Some of the banter <laughs> is quite shocking to a civilian to see, but it's just the norm, <laughs> you know. But um, we do torture each other something terribly. Um, Nothing horrendous no, or no. violent, but it, there is a lot of banter that does go on. And if I can imagine. Yeah, you have to go <laughs> along with it, otherwise you're just going to get abused, you know, so... <laughs> oh, it, it sounds it like good. you've made some good, like, strong bonds while you were there. Yeah, yeah, mm. just but like little things like making my bed in the morning. You yeah. Know, that, that was installed in me in the military, getting up, eating okay. breakfast, because I'd just wake up at 12 o'clock and do what I want, you know, it's... <laughs> Polishing your You've shoes, got a routine you know? kind yeah. of thing out of it, didn't yeah. you? Yeah. Learning and building a routine is quite mm. important, you know, so it's really, really quite good. Good, brilliant. And I had to use an iron a washing machine and really? cook a meal in a field, <laughs> and that was all through in the military, you know, so it's, wow. God bless them. <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> okay, so any sort of life changing experience in the army slash ambulance service? Um, yeah, yeah. I am. Um, I went to Kenya and wow. Nairobi. Well, just outside Nairobi, and okay. um, I went there and we helped build an orphanage. 
Wow, brilliant. Like, you know what I mean? That that was just an amazing feeling, you know, sitting there mm-hmm. and all the kids are playing around you know, and it's <laughs> it's mental because you're in body armour with like a rifle slung on your back with mm-hmm. a helmet on, you know, in mm-hmm. in shorts and t-shirts, sweating out, and there's kids next to you <laughs> playing football. Aww. You know, so it was re- it was a really, really nice, pleasant place to be. Like there's there's been mm-hmm. some quite horrible stuff that's happened in that country and they've had mm-hmm. to massively adapt and overcome to the situation that they've been in you know it's a fair yeah, play yeah. to them but mainly we went out there and we helped build and we helped protect like contractors that were out there to build and develop you know mm-hmm. as there's wow. some naughty uh, guerrilla fractions out there that don't mm-hmm. really yeah. want anything to succeed or move on mm-hmm. cool. but yeah, yeah no that was really really good um, yeah, and wow that sounds amazing yeah yeah it does to be honest, to be honest that's about it you know i never went yeah. anywhere else that's Help. great, you know, because you yeah. sort of helped make a difference for the future, you know. So yeah, that's just really, really nice being able yeah. to see a difference being made. I, I'll be terrible. I am absolutely shameful at DIY. I can't even put a nail in the wall when I'm 28 <laughs> years of age, you know. It's yeah. disgusting. But um, I can carry a bolt. I can carry a few bricks, you know, oh, from point A to point B. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> I um, I don't advise playing football with young children, like young, fit, healthy children in a uh, body armour. <laughs> no? Because you're halfway, you're there and you look very, very old and slow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I'm sure it was still fun, though. Yeah, it was. It was once in a life. It was a once in a lifetime thing, you know. So oh, I'm of course, yeah. I'm grateful, you know. Yeah, but, of course. I, I, I just like to say I've been really, really lucky. I've got a lot of friends in the military that haven't been. You know, they've been put in some very, very terrible, god awful situations mm. that they've had to live with. You know, so mm-hmm. I count my lucky chickens every day. To be honest, they're all right. They're loved, and they and they know they've got the support there. Yeah. But um, you know, you're, you're trained to be a specific type of person when you mm-hmm. do that job. You know, and you cannot be in a situation or in an environment like that for, for a sustained period of time mm-hmm. and then switch off like nothing's ever happened you mm. know and some people it's taken a very very long time to come to terms with or learn how to switch it on and off you mm. know and it's of course having that ability to do that isn't no one gets it straight away you know so mm-hmm. i've been very lucky in that aspect and there's a lot of people that haven't been you know or people that have come back with limbs missing from war zones, you know, or yeah. they've been killed, you know, and it's, it's mm-hmm. horrendous, you know, because that's your mate. Like, of course, you went to yeah. Basic training with him, he goes off and does his job, mm. and it's, it, you know, he's coming back in a box. Mm. Crazy, you know? crazy. Don't get me wrong, he, he died with his family around him, or his mm. extended family around him, and he died with honour mm-hmm. and dignity, and he died doing something that he loved. Mm-hmm. But there's, there's still that gap there, you know, and it's, but, that's the nature of the beast you know mm. and you can't do a job like that without being accepting of that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to the same degree in the ambulance service you know yeah. one way or another you have to have a certain degree of realization that no you are going to walk in some potentially dangerous and hostile situations mm-hmm, of course yeah and they do their absolute utmost to ensure your safety you know but there's there's times where you have been put in some situations where you've had to tactically withdraw from a property mm-hmm. because it's not been safe for you, you know, and then you've mm-hmm. had to wait for everyone. Generally, there's like rendezvous points that you all meet up 
and then you push together as one unit you know okay and um but sometimes that's not always the situation or you're not always given the full information or the mm. dispatcher's not who can't pass it to us you know okay but um, yeah it's, it is a risk to a certain degree but it goes with the job you know any sort of frontline public service role mm-hmm. you know there is always a massive risk whether it's the police the military the fire brigades mm-hmm. you know yeah of course yeah and it's some people can do it some people can't you know but mm-hmm. I, I have the utmost respect and the admiration for all the services you know mm-hmm. because like I, the job that I do is difficult the, the job that the police do is just mm-hmm. absolutely amazing I am um, people really horrible to the police you know mm, i i, I, yeah. I don't really feel sorry for them to a certain degree because mm. they're just doing their job like of i course. am you know and it's i i've been to a few police officers unfortunately that have been quite horrifically hurt wow you know and it's it's all right mate calm down you know mm. you cannot behave like that and expect there not to be any repercussions mm. and then when the repercussions come from you mm-hmm. you know it just escalates dramatically it's, mm-hmm. it's just mental it is, you know, yeah, yeah. But, um, I mean, obviously, the police have a lot to deal with now, haven't they? You know, all the situations that are happen- happening now. You know. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Mm. You know, I, I, but um, I do feel sorry for them to a certain degree because mm. they are very, very, very underappreciated, and they mm. are. They're amazing. You do they are. get me wrong. There's, there's rotten apples in every tree. You know, mm. it, of course, you can't tarnish everybody for one or two people's. They do have an extremely difficult job. I, I, unfortunately, I haven't met a happy police officer. Oh, you know, okay. It's, it's, a, it's a really good job, and they do enjoy doing it. But there is a horrendous amount of paperwork that they have to do. I've been mm. told, and yeah. unfortunately, people just don't have any respect for the police anymore. Mm, it you is know, a shame. It is a shame. It is. I think it's just down to a bit of lack of public education, or cool. you know, but yeah, no, I don't know. But you know, I was I grew up in East London. I grew up to stay away from the police or to mm-hmm. avoid them. You know, and it's mm-hmm. it's only since I've gone and done what I've done and chosen the career paths that I have, I've sort of like learned to have a bit of profound, newfound respect for them because mm-hmm. you don't see it from the other sides. You know, you don't see them like they've sat there and had a massive tear up with someone on the floor and they've hurt themselves in the process, mm-hmm. you know, and they're they're sitting in the hospital or they're in a room and they're bleeding or crying, you know, because they're, they're normal people just like you and me. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, they've got faults and feelings and they've got families and loved ones, you know, but people don't see that. They just see a bloke in a stab fest with a stick and think, you mm-hmm. can't tell me what to do, are you? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. They have that sort of you know, fear of, of um, authority, don't they? You know, and they think the worst is going to happen oh, straight yeah. away, you know, and it's, it's like... It's, it's such a shame. I don't know, mm-hmm. in, my, in my eyes, I feel that in this government or this country is more concerned about being politically correct rather mm-hmm. than enforcing the law. And it's, exactly. it's a shame, you know. I know officers that are scared to make decisions. Wow. Because now they're accountable for that decision. And when it goes to court, they're absolutely shredded whether mm-hmm. it's doing the right thing or the wrong thing so mm-hmm. a lot of people are very hesitant at making decisions or standing by or being accountable for stuff mm-hmm. and wow. I, I don't blame them in the, in the you know I, I, from what I can understand the police have a very very big budget just mm-hmm. to pay out people mm-hmm. you know wow. it's, it's mental you know 
I had a friend who I worked with. He was a police officer for 18 years. Mm-hmm. And he went everywhere. He was robbery. He was surveillance. He oh. was um, diplomatic protection. He absolutely loved it. Okay. And, uh, he ended up getting made redundant. Oh, okay. <clears throat> and um, but he, he's like he's sitting again at the job that I did mm-hmm. to the job that I to now is just completely different. It's mm-hmm. horrendous, you know. It's you would get a lot further in 2000 or 1999 with a kind mm-hmm. word and a nice smile and now there's just none of that now you can't mm. you know it's just mental mm. i think society definitely has changed i, I believe it's a generation thing mm. you know i yeah. really do it's, it's like for some reason getting arrested is like getting a medal pinned on oh, your chest now definitely definitely really they don't see anything wrong in it do they they think oh wow it's something no. to brag about and it really isn't to, to be honest, I had to learn the hard way myself, you know, I was mm. arrested at a young age and okay. I had a criminal record, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, but I didn't appreciate then, well, no, actually, mate, no one's going to want to employ you. Mm, of course, you know, yeah. When it comes, when it comes to like you wanting to get a mortgage or a mm-hmm. house or renting or a career, you know, mm-hmm. you're not going to be as good looking to Joe Bloggs next year that's got a degree, that's got a clean <laughs> record, you know, so it's, mm-hmm. of course. yourself. And nobody, I don't think, especially the younger generation, they they just expect everything to be given to them. Mm-hmm, of course, you know, yeah. if you're if you're the age of twenty five to twelve in this country, it's mm-hmm. just horrendous. You know, I, I don't know. I was slapped as a child, and as mm-hmm. a result, I I say please and thank you. I put mm-hmm. my knife and fork together. You know, I asked to leave the table. Mm-hmm, of course, you know, yeah. I, I try to install that with my own children. You mm-hmm. know, but. There's, there's quite a few people that I've seen or who don't have that or their children don't have that, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, or they're quite rude or they're very upfront and mm-hmm. they just like, oh, if you was my child, I wouldn't have you talking like that, mate, okay. let me tell you. I know, exactly. Trust me, I, I get, I see that and feel that every day. Because yeah. obviously, you know, like I said, obviously I work with children and sometimes I think the generation, like you said, is so different. Like the things they do, the thing, the way they speak to like you know adults you think wow i i would never have gotten away with that as a child i wouldn't no, have no. dreamed of even speaking to anyone like that as a child <laughs> no no duh. wow it is, well, yeah. it is a bad world you know i agree with you i think it is a generation thing you know and i think but it all I, starts with educating like children from like a young age i think you know i, I, I do agree i do agree but people I don't know, forgive the terminology, mm. but particularly children learn that they're not made of glass from mm. a very young age, and mm. that makes them very not disrespectful towards authority. Mm. You know, people, yeah. no, they can't do nothing actually. Mm. You know, and they're, 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 that's there's too many safeguarding things put in place yeah, there, you know, and I believe yeah. health and safety and safeguarding is massive, massively important. Mm-hmm. But there needs to be a line, you know, and there needs to be a line where people are taking the absolute mickey, mm-hmm. you know, or people that generally do actually need looking after, you know, but mm-hmm. it's, it's, I don't think we're quite there yet as a society. No. Maybe next generation will be the ones forwards or the you one can after only as well. <laughs> I can only hope. Yeah. Not, I'll be dead yeah. by then with a bit of luck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you won't. <laughs> You'll be still... <laughs> helping everyone and you know doing the best that you can yeah of course. <laughs>
Right. Or I'll be in the Bahamas drinking a pina colada, loving oh. life on the beach. That sounds even better. Well, let's yeah, go with that one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Right. So, how do you sort of like relax and have some downtime after your shifts? Because then, obviously, you said it's such a busy day, and you know you deal with so much. So, how do you like you know chill um, out? It, it depends, really. If I am doing a night shift. Mm-hmm. I um, have dinner with a family at five o'clock. Okay. I then get to work for six, uh, and then I finish at half six. I get home. Yeah, no, it is. Yeah, it's, it's finding the normality. But is <laughs> everyone, all my friends, whenever there's a medical problem, mm-hmm. call me because they seem to be under the illusion that I'm a doctor. <laughs> and uh, I have to sit there and go, no, mate, you're forgetting that I'm a road sweeper, you know, <laughs> because they wear green uniforms as well, you know. So whenever anyone asks me, yeah, I always say I'm a road sweeper because it's, it feels, it, it's not, not stigma, you know, that's mm. the wrong word, but like they people, oh, you're a hero, you work for, the, you know, and it's like, no, mate, I'm just, just a bloke like you are working, you know, I'm not, <laughs> like, you know, and it, it's, Oh, I'll buy no, thank, thank you, mate. I don't want to say oh. but I'll buy my own drink. But thank you anyway. You know, oh, and it's, no, it's, no, no, no. You, you know, and it's, it's it feels a little bit awkward at times because mm. you are just doing your job. You know, you're just the same as Bob the Builder who gets mm. on a train, goes to work, spends ten hours a day on a mm-hmm. site lugging things about on his back, putting his body on the line, and then gets on the train <laughs> and comes home. You know, it's it's, it's the same thing. You know, obviously mm. our job might be a little bit more exciting at times. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, um, you know, you're just a bloke doing a job or you're just mm. a lady doing a job and it, it shouldn't be, you know, but, yeah, it no. is good. I it's do good. enjoy my days you know, off. I do enjoy my days of work. Of course, yeah. I mean, you got to think, you know, to you, it's like your every day, but to somebody else, it's their everything, you know? So, you know, yeah, it's... it's- it is a bit mental, yeah. I've seen some people in a horrendous state because mm. no one ever calls the ambulance service when they're all right, you know. Yeah, of people call the ambulance service when they're in their worst state, you know, mm. where they, you know, there's no other option. Yeah, so of course. In a few occasions, you've had to turn up and people are um, not very well, mm-hmm. you know, whether mm-hmm. that's us having indecency expose them. Uh-huh. Um, because we need to get to their chest to resuscitate them, you know, and there's, there's times like that, you know, we do try to be as respectful and mm-hmm. um, compassionate as possible, but sometimes it's not always an option. Mm. I, don't I suppose it's about maintaining that professionalism all the time. Yeah, and... definitely, mm. you know, it's all part of your dynamic risk assessment. Mm-hmm. But, um, I'd just like to state for the record, for all you lovely people, you are very difficult at times, especially when trying to be treated. <laughs> so please just have a bit of compassion for the bloke who's trying to stick you with a needle to try and give you a bit of pain relief. I understand it hurts, but it is for your best interest, I promise you. <laughs> I laugh, but I'm one of those. <laughs> I'm the I'm the crier, like the full-on ugly crier. Like when the needle comes out, I'm like, oh no. I, I just can't. <laughs> I don't blame. The needle burns when it comes out. When, I know, when you it's horrible. It. But it's that's because that's that's you've got a horrible medic who pulls it out really quickly. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so you don't do it like that, no? <laughs> well, actually, do you know what? It, it could be you've been really horrible to your medic and he's giving yeah, you this needle. Jab you with it. Yeah, the scaffolding <laughs> pole needle, you know? <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm joking. Oh, <laughs> 
Okay, so moving on from your sort of career, um, let's move on to just getting to know you. So, um, tell me, what do you think is the best film of 2020 so far? Or just maybe in general? Uh, because I know there's not really been too many good films so far. This no, year. no. <laughs> I, um, I think The Gentleman, did it come out in 2020 or was it 2019? But the one that Guy Ritchie directed yes, is yeah. just absolutely amazing. I, I do okay. love the Guy Ritchie film. He is an absolute legend. Okay, brilliant. I don't think I've actually seen that. So, yeah, I'll have to give that a go, I think. Yeah, oh, you got to go for a Guy Ritchie marathon. It is brilliant. <laughs> right. Um, and also, what about your favourite music? So what music, like, do you chill out to? Um, to be honest, it depends, really. I um, I like a bit of aut- autistic... Uh, autist- uh, no, no, I can't talk to the guitar. Acoustic. Acoustic, acoustic guitar. <laughs> I like a bit of acoustic. BBC Live yeah. Lounge. There's quite a lot on there. That's pretty good. Yeah, um, okay. Believe it or not, I, I do listen to a bit of classical music, especially when I've had a you bit don't. of a hard day. Yeah, I do. Yeah, right. BBC wow. Radio Three. Okay. When I'm on the way home from work, I've had a bit of a tough day. I put a bit of classical music on. I'm just sitting <laughs> wow. Singing like, at the top of your voice and yeah, well, the da, 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 da. Yeah, so it's not too bad. <laughs> um, I like a bit of everything, to be honest. I do like okay. the Lincoln Park, Slipknot, System of Down. Mm-hmm. You know. Okay, there's, there's, wow. Yeah, so it's quite varied. You have like you know, yeah, a good selection going on there. Yeah, it's good. It's yeah, good. good, good. Okay, so what about um, life as a dad and sort of juggling your career and parenthood? Um, so that has been quite difficult to be honest. It's been mm-hmm. the biggest culture shock of my life. Other of my child and I, we, we fell out and we fell out quite badly. And okay. we ended up having to get the matter resolved in court. It cost me a wow. very significant amount of money. Wow, um, wow. And I only ever wanted to see my child, you know, I just wanted mm-hmm. to be in her life and I didn't want it to be on her terms. I just wanted something mutual. Mm-hmm. I, I understand I was a terrible partner to you, but that doesn't mean I'd be a bad father. You know, and mm-hmm. I did. I did want to make that point. I just did not get that opportunity, so I had to go right. through court. And um, unfortunately, uh, social services ended up getting involved there, and it deemed that um, the mother wasn't fit to look after my daughter anymore. Mm-hmm. So it was a case that I now had uh, my daughter mm-hmm. full time, and um, mm-hmm. going from being a single part time parent to a single full time parent was Mm -hmm. just the maddest feeling of my life you know I've I've got this little three three and a half you know I I, I felt extremely uncomfortable doing Mm -hmm. that personal care because she's a little girl I'm a man of course different for you isn't it you know yeah yeah. there was this massive and I got I got over it eventually you know because Mm -hmm. you have to you know change the nappy or putting pseudocreme on in a private area you know that was very very difficult for me it got to at one point, I called my neighbour because she oh. had kids. She was a lovely lady, you know. She'd come and do it for me, but you can't oh, rely on people <laughs> to do that, you know. So it took me yeah. a wee while to get my head around that. But um, yeah, so I was a single parent. I mm-hmm. um, I was lucky enough to meet a uh, woman who's in a similar situation to me. Mm-hmm. Um, we've ended up moving in together. She's got a okay. nine-year-old little boy. I've got my five-year-old little girl, and Aww. we are giving it. Um, proper good go for the past wow, year and a half. Wow, sounds amazing. 
yes, for the past year and a half, it's, it's been happening. It's brilliant. We've had our ups and downs, and I love as you do, very as you much. do. We fight like cat and dog, but I do love her. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been a massive, massive. The past three years of my life have been mm-hmm. very, very massive. You know, some have been very sad, some have been mm-hmm. very good. Mm-hmm. Um, I never expected to be a full-time parent. You know. Um, Wow. I never expected to have a family, you know, so it's, oh. it's just mental. It's been absolutely mental and I'm loving mm-hmm. every minute of it, to be honest. Brilliant. Wow. That's amazing. Mm. <laughs> Certainly something. <laughs> it's life. Yeah, it is. That it's is it. Life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, can you tell me um any plans for the future so what do you like look forward to doing in the future um whether that be you know personal or like career wise what's your plans um career wise i would like to reach the top of my profession okay um obviously that's not something that happens overnight and where i can't afford to go to university it's it's a very long-winded gradual process but it will happen Mm -hmm. and i can't wait and i'm looking forward to it but, um, my plan is to, to qualify and when I do okay. qualify um, spend a couple more years in um, a mainstream city because um, mm-hmm. you do learn a lot working in cities than you ever will working in like country or rural areas Okay. And, um, then my plan is to be honest is to pack up where I live and mm-hmm. move down to um, Bournemouth or just down west somewhere Wow, um, okay. The quality of life is better. Unfortunately, London is not a safe place to um, mm. bring your children up now, especially oh, in the area that we live in. And we, we have, mm. I'm a very paranoid person anyway, to be honest, but I don't <laughs> feel comfortable with stepson going out. Mm. The, the, the days of going out and playing at the end of the banjo or playing down your street and leaving your doors mm. open are gone, unfortunately. And gone, completely. Yeah, yeah definitely. I agree with Chil- you, yeah. Children are stupid at times and think it's acceptable mm. to carry knives and tools, mm. you know, and it, it's not at all. And um, we're trying to bring the kids up the right way. And unfortunately, just mm-hmm. because you are, not everybody else is. So you have to be very wary of that. Mm-hmm. Of course, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Oh. But, um, yeah, no, the plan is to go and find a bit of quality of life, you know. Wow, okay. That would be nice. Yeah, somewhere with a beach. Oh. <laughs> I am, I've discovered, like, on my travels, because I'd am i have periods where I'm not working for a good four or five days. Okay. So I'd just get in my car and I'd just drive somewhere and I'd drive, like, I'd either drive up north somewhere to like mm-hmm. Lake District or I'd drive down to Cornwall or Devon or Baltimore wow. and just the world is such a nice place as soon as you leave <laughs> London we are definitely. very rude Londoners you know <laughs> I love definitely, being in East but, um, Sorry? I said I love being in East Londoner, but uh, <laughs> you don't get people saying hello to you anymore, you know. You say good morning no. to someone, they used to say good morning back to you. You say good morning to someone now, they'll probably tell you to sod off, you know. Yeah, yeah, they're grumpy fans now. Yeah, yeah, so it's, it's yeah, we're unsocial. <laughs> Yes, yeah. I think definitely since I've moved to like um, the country, it's been so much nicer. It's so quiet and everyone's so friendly. Yeah, it's just it's just a nicer place to to be. Yeah, the quality of life is that. And safer, definitely safer. Like I know everywhere have that like their good and their bad, but I feel like to me London to me seems a lot more bad than good. 
Yeah, yeah, no, I completely agree, to be honest. <laughs> I completely agree with you. Right. Okay. So, one of my near to last questions. Um, yep. What was your favorite book as a child? Because obviously, as you know, I do a children's podcast. Uh, so, what was your favorite book growing up? Well, I am. Um, I have to be honest. My favorite, book, and even now, I'm 28 years of age, and I still read it, <laughs> and I read it to my daughter. It is absolutely wow. amazing. It's got to be Roald Dahl's um, Mr. and Mrs. Twit. Okay. I, I okay. absolutely love it. The pranks that they play on each other, oh. you know, it's, it's a really, really good book, and it's not okay. massively thick because I, I get distracted very easily. <laughs> so it's, it's manageable. <laughs> okay. Okay. Wow. Okay. I actually haven't read that yet, so that'll be one for the um for the podcast. I think. Yeah, it's brilliant, Mister and Missus Twit. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Right, so any advice for children listening? Um, any advice? Mm-hmm. Yes, please take your education seriously. Please, mm-hmm. the more you pay attention, the more options you will have in life. No one told me at school and I've had to learn the hard way, you know, so put mm-hmm. one foot in front and just say please and thank you. You'll get far further in this world with a kind word and a nice smile. Why have enemies when you can have friends? <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> well said. <laughs> right. Well, thank you so much for being on my podcast. No. It has been truly a pleasure having you on here. No worries. Thank you very much. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. Right. We'll take care and speak soon. Ta-da. God bless. Bye. Bye.